Good evening to everyone. Evening. It is a privilege, a blessing to be here with other Christians and study the Word of God. There's nothing better that we can be doing. The world's doing a lot of other things, but studying the Word of God is the most important thing that we can do. And like the song that we just sung, ring the message out. That's what we are to do. What did Jesus say? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Ring it out. Let the world hear the word of God. I said it earlier in the week on Sunday, there is one thing that will change our country, our nation, the world, and that is if people would go back to the Bible and we would have families that were families based on serving God according to his will. A few years back, he's not the first by any means and won't be the last, but a professor in a secular university had made the comment, what's all the fuss about the virgin birth of Jesus and his miracles and his resurrection? What difference does it make about something that happened 2,000 years ago? Let's just take the good principles that he taught and let's apply those things. Well, if you're going to reject part of it, you might as well reject all of it because we must obey the entirety of the word of God, not just part of it, but every single thing that God has instructed us to do. All of the things that are found in the Bible, every single one of them, if you reject part of it and say, well, that's not true, that didn't really happen, or, or what's the big fuss about that? Well, there is a reason there's a big fuss about it, because God said it. And when God says something, that ends it, doesn't it? Man doesn't have the right to challenge that. Sometimes men do, but they will, of course, answer to that. But this evening, as you can see, our subject is going to be, why make such a fuss? We're going to look at different things this evening about why make such a fuss. Well, one thing about Jesus and that resurrection that took place almost 2,000 years ago, what if he wasn't resurrected? Wouldn't that make a difference? None of us would be here. So why the fuss? There's one of them, and we will come more, back to that more in just a little bit. But first, let's notice the virgin birth. Why make such a fuss about it? Well, it's critical. If Jesus was born and has a fleshly father born just like we are, then he's, he's not God. He can't be. But he was born of the Holy Spirit. Now, he had an earthly father in the sense that uh, he was married to Mary, but uh, she didn't conceive by her, her husband, uh, husband, Joseph. She was uh, with child by the Holy Spirit. God was behind all this. And so it's not human in the sense that we are, we, we uh, are born by procreation. But Jesus was born of the virgin birth. And let's notice some passages right now. In Isaiah 7, verse 14, 
And stop and think about this first. Isaiah made these comments and wrote this some 750 years before Christ ever came. Now, that means we can trust our Bibles. That's one thing I, I want us to know and uh, encourage us that we, we can know the Bible. Some would say we just can't know it. Well, Isaiah wrote this. He never saw the Christ. But notice the verse. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. There's the son of God in prophecy. And of course, there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about the Christ. Uh, different prophets, uh, as we know, prophesied about him, that he's going to come. And we studied one night this week about where the church would be established in the city of Jerusalem. And where did Jesus tell his apostles to go and wait in the city of Jerusalem? See, the plan is unfolded, but you go back in the Old Testament and you see that God had given those Old Testament prophets what to write. And yes, we do make a fuss about it. And if Jesus was not resurrected, we wouldn't need to gather on the first day of the week to partake of the Lord's Supper. Why? Because we do that, what? In remembrance of him. So no resurrection, then we, and no virgin birth. We could forget all these things. We might as well go do something else. We also want to know, notice the fulfillment of what Isaiah said. Now, notice this. In Matthew 1, 22 and 23, it says, Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying. Now, what prophet just said this? But no, now notice what we're going to read next. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. I believe that was Isaiah. Just uh, We just read that and said that and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which be it interpreted, is God with us. Not just a physical man that's with us. It is God that is with us. Yes, it does matter about the virgin birth. That's part of all of Christianity is based upon that virgin birth. If that doesn't take place, there would be no church. There would be no need to follow what we're doing today. But I have another thought about something. Go back to what the professor said. If you're going to reject, you know, what difference does it make about the virgin birth and the miracles and the resurrection? Just do the good principles that Jesus said. Oh, that's good. Well, stop and think for a moment. Reason. If you've already rejected certain things in the Bible and you come to this uh, this particular portion, you say, well, that's good. Man should not kill. Now, I agree with that, obviously, but for a different reason than what they're saying. But if you've already rejected all this, how do you know that it's wrong to kill? That would just simply be your opinion. 
Because when I was reading that in Isaiah and all the other prophecies, you said, what difference does it make? Uh, what difference does it make about the virgin birth? So when it comes to how to treat each other, well, we need to be good to each other. What's good? What What is good? How do you know what is good? If the word of God, if if we don't have that, we can't even determine what is good. We can't determine what is right and what is wrong. Who's going to be the standard? Well, every man would do that, which was right in his own eyes. Oh, I believe we had some people that did that in the Old Testament. They were even God's people, and they were punished severely for that because they did what they wanted to do. They ignored the will of God. Well, what's going to happen today if we ignore the will of God today? Will we not be punished? We know that the northern tribes were taken away by the Assyrians, never to come back as a nation. The southern tribes came, uh, were taken by, by the Babylonians in captivity for 70 years, and they came back, at least some that didn't die during that period, period of time. Now, but that was because of their disobedience. You even go back to that time, prophets were warning them. See, these Old Testament things do matter. Well, it goes back not just 2,000 years. It goes back all the way into, into the prophets, all the way back to the beginning of time. You see the first prophecy in the Bible in Genesis 3.15. We notice what, what happened there. And you see God with communication with man, Adam and Eve, in the very beginning of time. So yes, it does make a difference. So that's what the big fuss is all about because Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, but he was born in the flesh. Now we're going to come to some more points about that in a moment, but let's back up. I'm going to go back to Matthew chapter one, but we're going to read verses 21, uh, 20 and 21. It says, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, because he was going to put her away. He was going to do it in a very proper way, I guess we could say, not in a, in a bad way, but, you know, well, if she's pregnant, there's, there's a problem. Well, the angel from God appears to him in, in this dream, you don't have to be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." So yes, that virgin birth does matter because when he was born and he lived and was crucified and was resurrected, now the price has been paid. Now mankind can be saved by that blood that was shed on that cross. Oh, there's we, we need to make a big fuss about that, don't we? Number two, why make a big fuss about his divine status that you know that he is divine that he's not simply a mere man 
But then we have some religious people that I, I met with them uh, that teach that Jesus was a created being. Well, uh, it, the Bible tells us in Ephesians that Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God. If you're simply a man, you can't be equal with God, can you? But also something else, let's go back. Let's go back when God said, let us create man, what? In our image. Now, who was he talking to, the cows? I don't think so. He was talking to the others of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you can even see in the creation account where they, that, that they're all present there. They're all involved in, in that. So it does matter about his divine status. It matters tremendously. If he's not divine, why listen to him? That would make him simply a mere man. Why not listen to a, another man that you think a lot of? Just follow him. But he's not simply a mere man. And brethren, we can take that to heart. That is who we are following. That is the one that we serve. Notice in Matthew 3, 16 and 17. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, like a, descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a vo voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Well, we're all children of God in one sense, aren't we? And there's a, a sense that we are. We're born the human race, man's made. Well, we're God's children in another way. When we become Christians, that's not what he's talking about right here. This is my beloved son. Hear him. And what did Jesus also say? All authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. You mean you gave that much authority to a man? No, you gave it to the Son of God. That's the one that was given that, uh, that authority. We notice in Matthew 17, verse 5, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, and who am well pleased. Have a little bit more here. Hear ye him. Now, that's exclusive, isn't it? That leaves off everybody else. Now, we also know that we have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. So when somebody else comes through and says, we have another testament. Well, Peter lied then. No, Peter didn't lie. The person that comes through and says that. And how many more besides that have come through? And God has given them a revelation. And here's what we are supposed to do. Well, we've already been given that. We're not looking for any more. We have the complete revealed revelation of God. 
we, we sing a song sometimes, and I, I've enjoyed singing out of these books here. We have a different one in Chalmette. Not that the, those books are wrong, but these are the same books I used at the congregation that I grew up at. And I'm hearing some songs that I haven't heard in a, a long time, so I'm, in, I'm enjoying that part. But notice in Matthew 16, 16, Jesus had come to his disciples. He had asked them, about who do men say that I am, but notice in verse 16, and Simon Peter answered, Peter was pretty quick to speak a lot of times, but he had it right. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That's who you are. Not just a man, not just a mere man. Man can't do what the Lord did. And we're gonna notice some of those things as we go through this. Notice also in John 20, verses 30 and 31. Well, actually, I wanna back up one verse. We'll come to that in a moment. Matthew 16, verse 18. When, when Jesus said this, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock. Now, what, what, were, what was the point they were discussing? Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? That's, that's what's under discussion. Not Peter, he's not, he's not the center point of this discussion. Some people make him uh, that, that part. But it says, thou art Peter and upon this rock, the confession that Peter made, I will build my church. Where do you see an S on that? I will build my church, Jesus. It, it's singular, that, that much I can see. I, I'm, no, I'm not really some special person in English, but I can understand plural versus singular. I can comprehend that one. I will build my church in the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against it. Nothing's going to stop it. Oh, Satan certainly puts up a good fight sometimes, doesn't he? He's not going to win. But, you know, that's also a very comforting thought, too. The gates of Hades, and man in Hades is either in one realm, either in uh, Abraham's bosom, as the place that is good, where Lazarus went, or he's in torment, where the rich man was. So we, we have that choice, but even death is not going to prevent the Lord's church. I'm going to establish my church and nothing, nothing will stand between God and his, the church that his son built. Nothing can stop it. Now, I, I like to mention this on occasion. I start with, we went to the NFL Hall of Fame today and Mark mentioned about me being a Vikings fan. But uh, one thing, we've been to the Super Bowl four times. And do you know how many Super Bowl championships we have? Nada. <laughs> so I can relate with Cleveland fans how that feels. But here's the point I'm going to make. We want to be a part of something that's good, don't we? And you'll see even in football, there's a lot of uh, bandwagon fans. If a team's doing good, they jump on that bandwagon and they'll follow them. That team's not doing any good anymore. They'll jump on a different bandwagon. 
You don't have to do that with the body of Christ. It's completely different. So if you're a part of the body of Christ, you are a part of the greatest organization that has ever existed or ever will exist. It's not some group that man has come up with. It's what Jesus has established when he built his church. And he did build it. Build it. People sometimes say, well, he, he came to establish a kingdom, but they rejected him. And so he set up the church instead. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, especially you can go to a lot of scriptures. But if he failed the first time, why would I follow him? He didn't fail, did he? He did exactly what he said he would do. Now, John 20, verses 30 and 31. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples. They saw what he did, the miracles, which are not written in this book. The, the, the Bible would be a lot bigger if they were all written down. But these are written. Why? that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. That's the only way that you can have eternal life. You want to, uh, we do need to put up a big fuss, don't we? It does matter. That's the way to salvation is through Jesus Christ. Without, without him, no salvation. But in him, we have that salvation. And we're part of the body of Christ that will never be destroyed. You go back to Daniel 2, and we looked at that earlier in the week, but other kingdoms failed, didn't they? You, you know, you talk about world powers today. Who brings up Assyria or the Babylonians? Oh, the, the, boy, you got to watch out for them. That's a world power. No, what they don't. They fail. What about Rome? I've been to Rome one time. But they're not a world power, are they? You know, one time they ruled the world. They all fall, don't they? But there's one kingdom that never fails. That's the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. It will stand forever. The gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I'm glad I can be a part of that. And it doesn't matter what anybody else may say, we can take it to heart. I follow my Lord and I know my salvation is secure because he keeps his promises. And he said he goes to prepare a place for us. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, ye may be also. Oh, we've got something to look forward to, don't we? Something awaits us. Every day we're a step closer to Benny in paradise. We don't know when the Lord re will return, but I want to be ready when it, he does come. I want to be ready when that trumpet sounds. And also, why don't we make a, a big fuss about his temptation? Well, it, he was tempted in all points like as we are, but he didn't sin. Notice Hebrews 4 verse 15, for we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Jesus knows what we go through, and he went through much, much more. But was in all points tempted like we, like as we are, yet without sin. That, that means a lot. On the day of judgment, we will never be able to say, 
But Jesus, you don't know what it's like down there on that earth, what you have to go through. He does know. He went through, through so much more than we will ever go through. And he did it for us. And what a thought that he came to his own and his own rejected him. That, that they didn't receive him. That would be hard, wouldn't it? That would be very difficult. And you even think of him praying in the garden. He prayed three times. And he prayed, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But let thy will be done. He's going to do his will. And salvation is possible. In Hebrews 2, verse 8, 18, it says, For in that he himself hath suffered, been tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Oh, now I know my Lord can take care of me. You read Matthew chapter 4. Jesus had already been out fast and fasted for 40 days, hadn't eaten. Satan launches his attack. He wants Jesus to worship him. Maybe I've got him at a vulnerable time. You know what Jesus did on all three of those occasions when Satan tempted him? He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. We'll go by the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's why we must live. He put Satan to flight. And when Satan attacks us, and he does, brethren, he does. We can put into flight the same way. It is written, live in our lives as God would have us to live. Amen. Satan wants us to be lost. Amen. Satan wants our children to be lost. He wants our grandchildren to be lost. But we need to resist and put up a fight. And we do that with the word of God by knowing what the word of God is first and then obeying it and living by it. So yes, his temptation does matter. Well, why, why do those, those things matter? He faced the, he faced so much more and went through it and endured. And when we pray to God, as we've already done this evening, and it's hard to even comprehend when we go to, go to prayer, we're going before the throne of God. That's, that's hard to comprehend, really. God, God has allowed me to speak to him. God would, would let me do that. What a wonderful God that we have. Now, he speaks to us through his word, but we speak to God through prayer. So his temptation does matter. Now, what are we being such a fuss about, about his miracles? Like the professor said a few years ago, and many have said that and still saying that. But notice in John 3, 2, the same came to Jesus by night, talking about Nicodemus, of course, and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. How do you know? Nicodemus, how do you know? For no man can do these miracles except God be with him. There's no other way. You can't raise the dead unless God's with you. You can't heal somebody that's been sick all their life unless God is with you. There's proof. 
Now, Nicodemus came. We don't know whatever happened to Nicodemus. Church is not quite established just yet. It's close by. Did he ever obey? We don't know for sure, but he was sure interested. We, don't, we do know that. That much we, we can say with certainty. But he knew that Jesus, you can't do what you're doing except God is with you. How do we have what we have today because of God? You, you think about this wonderful world that we live in. God spoke it into existence. You know, I don't know if you've ever been involved in building a, a house. Have it, well, I worked with my father some when I was younger and helped build in that sense, I suppose. That would be building a house. Now, after Hurricane Katrina, it wiped out the house, had to redo it. And so I know what tearing out is and then trying to uh, rebuild. But we, we know that the church, it, it's one thing that's not going to be washed away. It, it's nothing's going to stop it like that. There's going to be no hurricanes that's going to wipe out the body of Christ. Notice in John 12, verse 37, then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees, and you wonder why they're doing this. But they gathered a council and said, what do, you, do we? For this man doth many miracles. I have an answer. Why don't you obey him? If you see him doing these miracles, they didn't even deny the miracles. They knew they were taking place. But well, we got to stop this. And they organized something. We, we're going to do something about this. You know, you know the phrase sometimes, how dumb can you be? Well, that, I think that applies right there, doesn't it? How dumb can you be? You see uh, Jesus Christ doing miracles. I think I would submit. Uh, it's hard to imagine what it would have been like to have been there and see those things transpire. Nobody's raised from the dead today. Now there's some fake news that try to pretend that. I've had preachers in my family through the years that have long gone, cousins and uncles. And uh, some of them were rather rambunctious. Maybe that's where I get some of it from. But uh, there was a situation and they were gonna raise a man from the dead. Well, and you could view the man, I don't know how, I couldn't lay there and be still enough, you know, call for whatever happens. But anyway, he managed to do that. But my uncle managed to undo that. He stuck him with a pin and he wasn't dead at all. And so they couldn't do those miracles that they professed. Jesus raised the dead though. Lazarus come forth and he did. Jesus had that power. He has all power. It was given unto him. In John 6, verse 2, it says, And a great multitude followed him. Why? Because they saw the miracles which he did on them that were diseased. I need help too. My loved one needs help. My brother needs help. So they, they had some better sense than the uh, Sadducees and Pharisees did. Well, let's, let's go to him and get the help that he provides that's that's good thinking. That's good reasoning. The Pharisees they they didn't they didn't think that way. They felt completely different than they that way, and that's very sad. But you still see people today that reject Jesus too, don't you? 
Has, has that part changed? Uh, people still reject the Lord, don't they? Uh, no matter what he's done for them, that's one thing that we all need to be on guard of as Christians. I want to go to heaven more than anything, don't you? Brethren, let's make sure that we do. Now, because I said that phrase doesn't mean I'm about to do the invitation just yet. So you got to hold on just a, just a little bit, a little bit more. In Acts chapter 2, verse 22, ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as ye yourselves know. You saw them. That's what, that's what Peter and the other apostles were, were telling them on the day of Pentecost. You that were yelling, crucify him, crucify him. You saw the miracles. Why didn't you believe? But of course we know, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story when you read Acts 2 and about 3,000 obeyed the gospel. What a great question. Even though they had been guilty of sin, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? They were ready to do something about it. Now, yes, we did crucify the Christ. And so they made a big fuss about it. But now, what number five, why make a big fuss about his resurrection? That's important. We wouldn't uh, be partaking of the Lord's Supper, as I mentioned earlier. But notice in Acts 1 verse 3 to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, infallible, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. 40 days he was out among the people. I thought you crucified this man. They did. I thought you put him in a tomb. You, they did. Three days later, he was resurrected. See, they couldn't contain him. Death couldn't, death couldn't overcome him. He was resurrected. Then you also see in Acts 2, verse 24, going further in the chapter of Acts, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death. And this is, this is a great encouragement right here, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. It was not possible that death could contain him. And then you think of the figure of baptism. If you're a child of God, when you're baptized in that watery grave, you bury that old man of sin, resurrected, walk in newness of life. And of course, that's what Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about in that chapter. We read just a little bit of it. In Acts 2, verse 32, a few verses down, this Jesus... God raised up whereof we are all witnesses. Saw it with their own eyes. You, you, saw, you saw it, people. You know, kind of like, what's the problem? Then notice in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 8, what Paul had to say. He would have gotten in trouble with a lot, a lot of universities, I'd imagine. They wouldn't let him teach there. But notice what he says. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. That's all he could deliver is what God gave him because he was faithful. How that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, 
and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, Peter, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen above, uh, seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. But some are fallen asleep, some have died. After that, he was seen of James, then all of the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me as one born out of due time. See, there was proof of the resurrection. The Roman guards, they couldn't do it, or the Jewish people couldn't do it. None of them could contain it. That, that rock that was over that, over that thing. Now, we couldn't move it by ourselves. Even that's going to be a big rock. It wasn't any problem that uh, it was removed for the Lord that he came out of that grave. Couldn't contain him. Number six, what do we discard? Out of all the things that we see in the Bible, what, which part do we discard? Some people like to do their living as at least a, a, a child of God, at least a so-called Christian, but they do it cafeteria style. I'll take that, but I, no, not that. I'll take this. You can't do that, can you? God will not accept us doing that. God will not allow us to do part of his will. That's the reason the Bible tells us to examine yourselves to see if you be in the faith. You know, that's even told to children of God. And, and think of the, the epistles that are written, written to Christians. What are they doing? They're telling Christians, you think of uh, Romans uh, 6, where Paul is telling the Roman church about baptism. Why are you telling people about baptism that have already been baptized? They need to understand this point. What goes with it? So do we. What's all? What, when we were baptized, we need to be reminded of those things. Peter did that. Did that. We, we see a lot of that in the New Testament. But notice... In Matthew 4, verse 4, well, this is a passage I actually uh, read earlier. But he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But notice, what, now what are we going to discard? But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That doesn't leave any room to discard anything, anything does it? No, no room to leave something off. What about being a, becoming a Christian? You know, some people do try to leave a step off, uh, a step out of that, and it, it won't work because you can't leave any step out of it. Well, we know a lot of people won't leave baptism off. You can be saved without being baptized. Jesus, Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Man says, no, you don't. It's a good thing, but, but you don't have to be. Well, who do you believe, man or Jesus? I'll take Jesus. I, I, th I think I'll stick with him. It, it's a, a pretty good winning proposition, isn't it? But you see, man has changed so many things. But there's another one. Sometimes it may be people that we've been studying with or that come in the doors and they say they're ready to be baptized but 
or actually believe or you wouldn't want to be baptized. Well, that's not the problem. Well, you're willing to confess that Jesus is the Christ. That's not the problem. You've heard the word or you wouldn't know about Jesus. So, you know, that's not the problem. And you want to be baptized. Ah, there's something else before baptism that what causes people some trouble. Repentance. What? Now, sometimes we say that word and we don't stop and say what it really means. It means a change of heart, change of mind that leads to a change of life. I'm not going to go in the direction that I was going in anymore. That hurt God. I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm going to start living for God. I'm going to repent and then be baptized. Well, that's what Peter said to those that said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why should you do that? For the remission of sins. If you want your sins forgiven, you, you must do these things. But in that passage, in that very verse, it's got repentance and baptism together. How can you choose one and not the other? Well, some choose the so-called called re repenting. Well, I've changed my life. I'm not going to deal with any of that right now. But I'm, I don't think you have to be baptized. I, I've known people like that. But I've also known some that want to be baptized, but they're not ready to repent. And I've even seen people that wanted somebody baptized, a, a family member. They want to be baptized, but they're not willing to change their life. Let's see, it requires some change to be a Christian, doesn't it? That, that old man, the way I used to live, I can't do those things anymore. Now, when I say that, don't misunderstand. We fall short. We understand that. Everybody falls short because we have a, a God that is loving the blood of Jesus Christ continues to cleanse us. First John chapter one. But we do make a big fuss about these things because the Bible does. We do make a big fuss about these things because God does. We do make a big fuss about these things because Jesus does. We do make a big fuss about these things because the Holy Spirit did. We do make a big fuss about these things because the apostles did. We do make a big fuss about these things because those faithful that have gone on before us, they made a big fuss about those things. And brother, when I say make a big fuss, I don't, I'm not talking about an argument, but that we make sure, as Paul said, I'm set for the defense of the gospel. I must stand for that which is right. Oh, it cost Paul dearly, didn't it? It cost him so much. It cost all the apostles. You ever stop and think, we, we read some, read, actually read a lot about Paul. We read about Peter and John. See where James was martyred. But we don't really see a lot about the other apostles. But they were mistreated as well. It's not all recorded for us. We now have some secular history, but um, that's a different subject. But they suffered for the cause of Christ because they made a big fuss about it. This evening, if there happens to be one soul here 
that is not a Christian, we implore you to do so tonight as the things that we just mentioned about the plan of salvation, God has made it where any of us can understand. It's simple, it's not complicated. If there's one person that we uh, can have prayer with and or prayer and also prayer for, which is important, that's why we're here to do that. Will you come as we stand and as we sing?